0: Let's grab our Bibles. The three pillars of perseverance and why we need all three. The three pillars of perseverance and why we need all three. Let's begin in 1 Thessalonians. A couple scriptures that I've discovered in my work on perseverance. We've been preaching on it and it's now the transition verses for the next section of our theme. The theme this year at Pleasant Hill Church of Christ is the fourth law of momentum, the power of perseverance. You all know that if we were to look back at the very beginning of this year in January, we began the very first couple weeks we defined what perseverance meant. Perseverance, steadfastness, endurance, uh, all those are so critical. I did a, a couple of Bible, adult Bible classes where I selected particular topics that were designed to enhance what we're talking about in regards to perseverance. Sadly, I don't see a lot of the body of Christ and Christendom persevering. They're buckling under the pressure. They are not stepping up. They're not standing up. They're not willing to be heard. They're not willing to stand out. And we need to recognize and understand in my last and fourth point this evening that if you will choose to persevere, you will stand out. In fact, anyone who desires to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Therefore, we are in need of perseverance. We need perseverance. Now we know that the passages of scriptures that we uh, are the anchor scriptures are in the book of Revelation in chapter 14 and verse 9. This is the perseverance of the saints. And if you've done a careful study of Revelation, you know the scriptures are clear. And I could not speak this at Pleasant Hill with the women in the audience because they'll freak out. But it says that there's going to be a time when we're not going to be able to buy or sell because we are Christians. There's going to be a time where Christians will be martyred. It says that the false prophet and uh, false, the first beast is government, world government. The second beast that comes out of the sea is the false prophet. And working together, they will shut down the Christian's ability to be able to provide. And it says that Christians are going to be hunted down and killed. You look at it. Revelation chapter 13 and chapter 14. Now, I can't preach that at Pleasant Hill. I can't. doesn't need to be preached. Right here, right now, so you men will stand up. Right here, right now, so we will stand up. And we'll give an example to our sons and daughters. Now, I don't mean we go looking for a fight. That's not what I'm talking about. You stand up for Christ Jesus and the fight will come looking for you. Jesus wasn't looking for a fight. The fight came looking for him. Paul wasn't looking for a fight, but the fight came looking for him. Stephen wasn't looking for a fight but the fight came looking for him. Timothy didn't go looking for a fight, but a fight came looking for him because those men decided, I'm going to live all the way to the last breath for Jesus Christ. And I am not going to, as I've talked about before, cower in the shower or hunker in the bunker. I am going to stand up for my convictions. Again, we don't have to go Bible thump. We just live the life, and we choose, according to biblical standard, how we're going to live. Now, people are going to see hopelessness abound. One of the great pillars of the foundation, the great pillars for perseverance, is hope. We need to have rock-solid hope, knowing, as we just learned in our Bible class, that when difficult times come and we have persecution and affliction in our life, God has allowed that. And we're not going to be angry at God and we're not going to fight against God. We're going to embrace that as God allowing that for us and if we will stand, God will use us. So we need to know these three pillars because persecution is guaranteed To some degree to every generation of Christian. And I believe if you have been mindful and watchful, you know that world government is emerging unashamed. So it's important, Christian man, to be a perseverance man, to have priorities set rightly. You need to be that rock-solid man for your wife and for your children. You need to be present like we talked about last year. So important. See, it's, it's critical for us to recognize and realize that what's coming upon the earth, God is allowing because man has rebelled against God and has created these idols where do you think the, the beasts came from? From Satan working through the godless hearts of men and women. That's where they came from. So it's important for us to stand. You know, I appreciate our brother. He stands in the gap for people who don't like him. In fact, they hate him. But he's willing to stand in the gap for all. In fact, it's interesting in the riots of recent He was trying to protect those people that hated him from being killed in one of the most busiest thoroughfares in the city of Springfield. I mean, if they would have busted through, there would have been a whole lot of road pizza going on, right? But they were willing to stand in the gap. You know, it's just as crazy for me to see these kinds of things, but the reality is, if we shut down, if we remain quiet, if we're not willing to press forward and seek and save those who are desperately looking for hope when there is no hope, desperately looking for love when there is no love, desperately looking for reason when there's nothing reasonable anymore, desperately looking for security when no one is being a man of integrity. We need to be those men. So the perseverant man must have three pillars that he chooses to build into his life. And so in the book of Hebrews, it talks about in chapter 10, are you ready for what is to come? And I would ask you to go back and read Hebrews chapter 10, beginning there in verse 32, reading through verse 39. And you study it out. You dig Because that is a picture of what has been in the past throughout human history in the church. Not necessarily in the United States because we have enjoyed such such temporal freedom and prosperity as never has been enjoyed by common man. Only kings and princes, only pharaohs have enjoyed such amazing prosperity and such amazing freedom the common man has been enslaved but not so for the american people in the last 200 years so we don't really understand that throughout the ages chapter 10 hebrews chapter 10 verse 32 to 39 has been going on in the lives of christians in other countries and so we have been the nation that sent out missionaries And now there are men and women in Belarus who are actually encouraging me. And they have it worse than we do. And they're encouraging me. And they're encouraging others. And they're continuing to teach. And they're continuing to immerse. Just last week, I had a beautiful video of three people being immersed in Minsk. So we need to recognize and understand, gentlemen, now it's our turn. Now it's our turn. And you have to decide if you're that man. But if you're ashamed of him now, Jesus says, I'll be ashamed of you on the last day. So we really do need to get serious about this. I have to be honest with you. A lot of the scripture has been academic. To me, for a long time, you know, Paul going into Philippi and 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 winning that that Jewish family by the riverside, you know, Lydia, and then casting out a demon in a little slave girl, and then her her owners got mad and turned the city against Paul and Silas, and throwing them in the prison, beating them ruthlessly in the inner prison as has been shared, just nasty, how vile that was in the inner prison. And what was he doing? He was singing praises to God. His mindset was such that he was a gentle man. If you were listening to the lesson I did not last Sunday, but the Sunday before during adult Bible class, we need to be gentle men so that when those things happen to us, we will not be angry at God, but we'll receive them As God allowing us to prove who we are. So that we'll be singing praises to God. So that the jailer will listen and know that we are not normal men. We are not mere mortals. But we are sons of God. Men of integrity. We serve not the God of this world. We serve the God who's created all things. He is our one and only sovereign. Gentlemen, that jailer and his family are in heaven because that man chose to be perseverant in doing what was right and embracing what came, not with anger, not with frustration, not cursing God. Job never cursed God. He embraced it and continued to speak truthfully. Even though his wife was neglect and all his children were gone, he stood his ground and God Return the blessing. So we need to recognize, brethren, in this introduction, that these three pillars are critical. And then we're going to close with some pretty stout scripture. For stout men who can receive it and decide, I will be a man perseverant until my last breath. Now I've never served in the military, I know that you have, Davy. And when the shooting starts is when you really find out what a man is made of. You don't really know until the shooting starts. You don't really know until the jail comes. You don't really know until the the, the slap down comes. You don't really know until you know the beatings come. You don't really know until the re-education camps come. You don't really know until you're disappeared. You don't really know what kind of man you're going to be. But you need to resolve in your mind that you're going to be the perseverant man. Because did God use Paul consistently when he chose to persevere through all sorts of horrible things? He turned the world upside down. And some people say, well, Stephen didn't really get much of a start. He only got to do one sermon. What Stephen did in that one sermon rocks the Christian world for those who want to look at that perseverant man. He only preached one sermon that I'm aware of that is recorded anyway. I'm sure he preached others, but that one was an awesome sermon that has given us really what we need for loving our enemy even to our last breath, amen? So get that one in your brain locked in. So now let's look at these three. We're looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2-4. through 4. Listen to what Paul says to this church. We give thanks to God always for all of you, making mention of you in our prayers, constantly bearing in mind, number one, your work of faith, number two, labor of love, and number three, steadfastness of hope in our lord jesus christ in the presence of our god and father it's pretty amazing when we take a look at that we see him praising god because they have a faith and a love and a hope that are unchanged now i want you to jump with me now to second thessalonians chapter one and after this letter of encouragement to them Listen to what he says to them in his second letter. It's absolutely amazing, beginning in verse 3. Paul says, We ought always to give thanks to God for you, brethren, as is only fitting, because your faith is greatly enlarged. Remember, the works of faith he was praising for them in his first letter. And now they're greatly enlarged. In other words, in times of horrible persecution, they didn't shut down, they abounded in their faith. That's not typical of what we would see today. What we see today is people shutting down, closing the curtains, and wimping out. Not staying the course, not preaching, not teaching. It's so important for us to recognize that this is our standard. This is our picture Reading on it says, And the love of each of you toward one another grows ever greater. Therefore, we ourselves speak, speak proudly of you among the churches of God for your perseverance and faith in the midst of all your persecutions and afflictions which you endure. Now, if you've been listening to the last two Sunday mornings, if you're going to remember that we've used these. last, Actually, the last... And we're going to do the last one this coming Sunday. You know what's really amazing? These people were spiritually conceived in affliction and persecution. Paul and Silas brought the persecution with them from Philippi. And they brought it right in, not wanting to, but they were followed there and they were persecuted. And these people were becoming Christians. And as you look at Acts 17, as we looked at before, they came in and they turned that city upside down. There was a riot. And they physically, with great force, grabbed young Christians thinking that they had been housing Paul and Silas. And they brought them before the mob. You ready for that? They didn't know if they were going to live or die. So it's important for us to recognize these people, brand new Christians, are overwhelmed by persecution and they're men who are perseverant. That's why these two passages are so powerful for needing faith, needing love, needing hope, and to excel still more and more. If you don't have secure in your mind that God is sovereign, and that whatever happens, He's allowed for His good pleasure, and you're His servant, and to serve Him, filled with the Spirit, manifesting the glory of God in His character, then people will see Christ, and jailers will then know, and some may even become Christians. So it's important then for us to understand these three. So let's Start by looking at Hebrews 12, verses 1, 2, and 3 as the jump-off point for faith, hope, and love. Hebrews in chapter 12, verse 1, 2, and 3. Hebrews 12, verses 1, 2, and 3. Many are familiar with this passage. We're going to use this passage for my three points of faith, hope, and love. who endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart one of Brian's favorite passages is in the book of galatians and chapter 6 you have that memorized don't you what does it say if you do not grow weary doing good for the proper time you will harvest if you do not give up yes and that's yeah if you do not grow weary yes. okay Don't give up. Yeah, absolutely. Don't grow weary. Don't give up. Persevere. The person who gives up doesn't persevere. He doesn't endure. He doesn't remain faithful. You keep working at doing good and you'll stand out. Now, point number one. The faith of Christ must be our faith. The faith of Christ must be our faith. In this passage of scripture in the book of Hebrews 12, what faith is it talking about there? Go back and look at it again. What faith is being spoken of there? It's the faith of Christ. He's the author and perfecter of faith. Whose faith? We're supposed to look to him, the author and perfecter of faith. Whose faith? His faith is to be our faith. I want you to look with me in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. The faith of Jesus Christ needs to be our faith. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. And Blake, I'm really glad you're here tonight. I'm going to have you read that passage of Scripture, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 in the King James. It's different than in the modern translations. It was translated correctly. The modern translations were not. So please listen. You can read along in yours, and there's going to be a substantive difference between your Bible and this translation. Would you like to read that real loud, please? Why don't you come over here and read it in the microphone? Because I want the folks that are listening to hear this. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live... Okay, let me start over here. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave me for himself, himself for me. The faith of Christ. He lives by the faith of Christ. Where are you going to see Christ's faith manifested? Where are you going to see it? Well, but where are you personally going to see it before in even in the church? Yeah, in the scriptures. Or other yeah, or other Christians. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see the faith of Christ. Rome, or uh, Paul, you see the faith of Christ. Timothy, you see the faith of Christ. When you look into the scriptures, you see the faith of Christ lived out in those men. They were perseverant. They did not give up. I have been crucified with Christ. I'm already dead. What can they do to me? Yeah, can they bring pain? Pain is only temporary. The lake of fire is eternal pain. If I do not persevere, eternal pain. I'll have pain in this life and eternal pain after. Is that true, gentlemen? So pain in this life is only temporary if you choose to be perseverant if you choose not to be perseverant the pain will be internal eternal and exponentially more painful gentlemen I'm just sharing with you the truth again I can't share this with the ladies down home unfortunately I think they're going to learn it but the reality is, is right now they can't receive it and honestly I don't think a lot of men can receive it I hope that you can I hope that you can. And so it's so important for us to recognize and understand the faith of Christ manifests itself by saying, you know what, I'm dead. Now I'm Christ. Whatever they do to me, Christ went to the cross, excruciating pain. He lived through it so that he gained glory. We live through it so we can gain glory. But you know what? When you live the life of Christ, people are drawn to you. How many know the scripture says that Jesus was an ugly man? Scripture says Jesus was an ugly man. There was nothing in his physical appearance that would cause people to be drawn to him. That's what it says. He's not on the cover of GQ magazine. Absolutely not. I have never been on the cover of GQ magazine, and I'm pretty confident that that will not happen. Okay? It just won't. Uh, Me, Jeremy, maybe, but not me. (laughs) So... So... So going back to Galatians 2 and verse 20, take a look at that again. In the New American Standard, they they tweaked it pretty nasty, unfortunately. By the way, if you get down into the Greek, verse 16 and 17 talks about the faith of Christ by which we're justified, by which we are sanctified. In the book of Romans in chapter 3, it talks about the faith of Christ by which we are justified and by which we are sanctified. It's the faith of Christ that will carry us through to and through our cross into glory. And so it's important, gentlemen, that we possess the faith of Christ. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in this body, I live by the faith of Christ, the one who loved me and delivered himself up for me. I'm going to deliver myself up for him so that we will walk in that faith. And so starting out, the faith of Christ, the race, the runner, and the rule. The race, of course, is for those who will run by the faith of Christ. The runner is found there in Hebrews chapter 12. Take a look at Hebrews 12. Go back to Hebrews 12, chapter 2, or Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, and the first part of verse 2 in Hebrews 12. The first part of 2 says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross despite the same, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice it says, The race set before us. The race set before us. We need to fix our eyes on the race set before us. You know what the race set before us is? The life of Christ. How many of you ever been uh, in any kind of long distance running i didn't think so been you've been in some i know i know school. good cross country excellent yeah. is there a race that is set out before you run yeah. they set it out for you and you got to run that race otherwise you don't get the prize yeah. right in skiing i know in skiing they set the course they let you run the course a few times until you race but if you don't hit every gate you don't win the prize. I mean, if you don't go within every gate, you don't win the prize. You have to run according to the race that is set before you. The race that's set before us is the very life of Christ that he lived by faith. You need to get into the Gospels, gentlemen. See how people treated, how Jesus treated people. You need to see how he did that. That's the race. You need to see how Jesus endured persecution against himself. That's the race. Oh, by the way, gentlemen, can I encourage that when you read the Psalms, that you read them daily? And when you read the Psalms, you read them as if you're listening to Jesus speaking about himself. The vast majority of the Psalms are actually Jesus speaking through David or the writer of the Psalms. When you start listening, and you start looking at the passage in the book of Psalms like that, you're going to hear Jesus speaking about his life. Did you know the Psalms say that from a child, from childhood, in the Hebrew that means before 12 years old, he was mistreated by his peer group. And throughout his life, even before he was baptized on his, uh, at 30 years old, he was treated with poorly. He was that outcast in school. He was that geek. He was that kid that nobody wanted to hang with because he was weird, because he knew the Bible, because he was quoting scripture, because he wanted to hang with his dad so that he could be a good son. He was that guy, the guy that I used to make fun of when I was the cool man in school. That's who Jesus was. And yet Jesus grew into a man that cared about others more than he cared about himself. Is that who you are? You see, we need to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. People are going to mistreat us wherever we go. When we stand up for what's right. And he did stand. He never sinned. When he transitioned into adulthood. By the way, how many of you know from a psychology standpoint, from a physiology standpoint, things start to change in the human body and the human mind at 12 years old. Many of you know what I'm talking about. The hormones kick in, 11, 12, 13, and the physical anatomy and the psychology of the person begins to change. By the time they are 20, 18, 19, and 20 years old, those things are now fully in force. You can grow in wisdom But those things are there, and so there is a time when you transition from childhood to adulthood. He never sinned. We don't know when he transitioned into adulthood. When he was 18? When he was 19? When he was 20? He was baptized when he was 30. What was he doing all those years so that at 12 years old he could be in the temple telling the scribes and the doctors of the law what the scripture meant? What was he doing? He was that nerd that was in his Bible every day. He wasn't a nerd when he was talking to the doctors of the law, and they were amazed. They were amazed. And he gave himself, from the moment he transitioned into adulthood, he gave himself to serve God with every thought and every word and every action. You're saying, well, that counts me out. No, it doesn't. When you are immersed into Christ as an adult, You are granted the mind of Christ. You are granted the spirit of Christ and you're given everything that you need for life and godliness. You can now walk in the newness of life in the faith of Christ. Now, brethren, I want you to take a look at the rule. What's the new rule of the faith of Christ? Our faith must be mere image. Here's the rule. Go back with me to the book of Galatians in chapter 6. Good evening, gentlemen. It's great to see you tonight. Galatians in chapter 6. And many of you have heard this before, but let me repeat it. Many times Peter says, in fact, in 1 Peter he says three times, it's good that I'm reminding you of these things. So I have only done this uh, more than three times, but that's okay. Galatians in chapter 6, verse 15 and 16. This is a tremendous passage of scripture that has been misunderstood for a long time. It talks about the faith of Christ. When we take a look at this, it says in verse 15, it says here, starting uh, where he says, For neither is circumcision anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And those who will walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and the Israel of God. For those of you who've done your own work to check me out, And if you haven't done your own work to check me out, I want you to check me out now. Does this passage actually say, verse 16, and those who will walk, live by this rule, this standard, the standard that we are now, new creations, created in the image of Christ, with the power of his Holy Spirit, and given everything that we need to have the faith of Christ through his word, That now we can receive peace and mercy. See, the new creation standard is faith working through love. How do I know that? Go to Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6. Galatians 5 and verse 6. Jeremy, could you read that real loud? You have new American standard? Okay. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. So, in Christ, there's a new standard. Outside of Christ, circumcision means something. Uncircumcision means something. But in Christ, that's all gone. There's a new creation. There is a new standard. And what is it? Faith working through love. Faith working through love. Do you remember what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Thessalonians in chapter 1? Or excuse me, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 3 and 4? What did he say? Go back and look. It's so important. Faith working through love. What is it? Absolutely. And in the second letter, it says, your faith is abounding. Your love is excelling still more and more. In other words, In persecution, it's growing. The faith of Christ is growing in them. The love of Christ is growing in them. That's why Jesus hanging on the cross could say to that thief who was trashing him, just verbally trashing him, when he changed his mind, he said, today, yes, today, you'll be with me in paradise. He forgave that guy. The very guy that was trashing him and trying him to, to, to get him to get off the cross. Save us and save yourself if you're the Christ. And then he could say that for the soldiers, and he could say that for all of those scribes. We are able to say the same thing if we what walk, speak, breathe, think, live as Christ lived, and we are able. So we need to establish the faith of Christ fully in our lives. Because the devil is unrelenting. He's going to keep pounding. He's going to keep pounding. He's not going to let up. Until you breathe your last. And then he's lost if you're the perseverant man. Now what about hope? What is hope? Well, turn with me to the book of of. Um, Hebrews and chapter twelve and verse two. Hebrews chapter twelve and verse two. Hebrews twelve and verse two, and then the the last part of verse two. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. The author and perfecter of faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the same and he has sat down at the right hand of the Father. The pain of the cross was excruciating. The pain of the cross was like nothing you have ever felt in your life before. Now I have to be honest with you. Some of the things that have been done to Christians in times past after Jesus endured such hostility by sinners are absolutely sickening. You don't have to look too far in literature to see what was done to Christians. And so we need to have a faith that's going to endure through those things. Now I know that Davy was in, in Vietnam and some of the things that were done to our soldiers if they were captured by the Viet Cong in the torture was absolutely unspeakable. But what Jesus endured was worse than that. And he endured. Why? Not just for himself, but for those that would follow after him. There's a lot of people following you, gentlemen. There's a lot of people watching you, gentlemen. And how you live your lives is going to tell them whether you're a perseverant man. If you really believe what you believe is really real. And if your hope is not set on things in this world, if your hope is set on your paycheck, if your hope is set on your, you know, your your house and your cars and your rigs, if your hope is set on your talent and ability, if your hope is set on anything in this life, your hope is misplaced. It can be taken from you. It can be taken from you. And in many generations past, it has been taken from Christians. And the devil doesn't change his operation. He just tools it up to fit the generation, to fit the the need. So what we see in the scriptures is what we can expect. No pain, no gain is the saying. We can expect that there will be pain. Remember what it says in the scriptures in 1 Peter and chapter 4 and verse 12? To the, degree, to the degree that you experience or endure the suffering of Christ, keep on rejoicing. So to the degree that you experience the suffering of Christ, keep on rejoicing. What does that mean? So when when the ratchet is crunched down, then we rejoice even more. That's what has happened with Paul in that prison. That's what happened with him. He believed that verse, and he lived that verse. By the way, that verse was put in there for you and me. So when you have difficulties in your life, and there will be difficulties, and they're going to be easy things. Like my truck isn't running very well. Man, I'm just really upset. I'm distraught. I'm in despair. I'm I'm almost ready to give up on life. Now you're laughing. And you know that's not true. But you also probably know people where that is true. In 2008, there were people that killed themselves because they lost their home. They killed themselves. I heard on the news in 2008 that one lady told the police, if you come to evict me out of my house, you're going to find my dead body on the front porch. And guess what? They came to evict her of her house and they found her A bullet hole in her head. She killed herself because of a house. See, hope was in this world. That's crazy. Or maybe not. I just want to breathe another day. I just want to have another month. I just want to have another year. I just want to... Well, where are you putting your hope? In your physical life. Our hope is in Christ. Every breath we... Breathe was given to us. Every moment we live has been given to us. And every situation that we come into is given to us for a purpose to embolden us so that we can face what is to come. So when the challenges come, don't wimp out. Go, okay, I need to learn something from this. Consider all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Why? So that the testing of your faith produces endurance. yes let endurance have its perfect result that you may be what perfect Perfect in every way strengthened in every way we are given these opportunities to strengthen so when things don't go our way and we start complaining stop they're not crucifying you and even if they are stop (laughs) and ask god to forgive them for what they're doing we got to get this in our minds, guys. It's got to be in our heads. I believe that with all my heart. I've heard a lot of great preaching. When I go away, wow, that guy really took that scripture apart and put it back together. That was awesome. Man, those illustrations you used were amazing. That was incredible. That was awesome. Let's get down to brass tacks. Revelation 13 says a lot of us are going to be killed for the faith. And we're going to have a hard time providing for our families. What's the mark of the beast? I have no clue. I think the mark of the beast is actually a perverted mind and ugly, nasty activities. That's, that identifies an evil man, right? But you know, it says that we're given the mind of Christ. And we're to raise up holy hands in our service to the Lord. Oh, by the way, turn with me to the book of Hebrews in chapter 6. You want to hear about an awesome hope. Our purpose is to serve. The pain is the pain of Christ in serving other people. Our hope is found in serving others. Because when we serve ourselves, that's a hopeless fool's errand. It's a fool's errand. Well, we're selfish. It's a fool's errand. It keeps us from living as God has called us to live. So we will not lay our lives down for those around us. What does it say here in Hebrews chapter 6? Take a look uh, in verse 9. He makes a statement about those people who, who give up. He says here, But beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you and things that accompany salvation. Though we are speaking in this way. Look at verse 10. For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered, served, and in still ministering, in still serving to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence in serving the saints so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end so that You will not grow sluggish and be imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Our full assurance of hope is that we're living just like Jesus Christ by his faith. Then we can know for certain that when we enter into heaven, we're going to hear, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was in prison and you visited me. I was sick and you came to me. And those people are so busy about doing the right thing because that's living the life of Jesus. They'll say, Lord, when? When? When did we do those things? When you did it to the least of these, my brothers. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse uh, 10 and 11. When he did it to the least of these my brothers, you were doing it unto me. How important that is, brethren. What's your prize? What are you really going for? What are you really going for? Some preachers go for a big church. Big church, man. I got 5,000 people coming to my church. There's a problem in that statement. Huh. Okay. There's a whole bunch of problems, a whole bunch of that statement. I have 5,000 coming to my church. Well, that's all messed up. That's totally messed up. Isn't it? You know, what matters is is that people are brought to Christ and as they assemble with you, they may move and assemble other places. That's what really matters. But you know what the prize is? The prize is heaven. Philippians chapter 3. Philippians 3. Philippians 3 and verse 12 13 and 14. <laughs> I love this passage of scripture. not that we have already obtained it, not not that we have already died and gone to heaven, not that we have already obtained it, verse 12 there, Philippians 3:12 and have already become perfect, I'm still striving for that mark, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also, uh, I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Brethren, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You know, our hope is heaven. Everything else is hopeless. Last time I checked, this place, is a, this world, as beautiful as it is, wow, it's awesome, isn't it? We're going to be lulled to sleep tonight by God's amazing creation. I don't know about you, but that's amazing. It's awesome. And I'm so far away that you'll be lulled to sleep, not by my snoring, but by the rushing river. It's great. It's awesome. It's great. It's fantastic. So I just prayed. (laughs) Sorry, I'm right across the way from you guys. I I just kind of. That's happened that way. Sorry, David. I hope you forgive me. Okay. Did you bring little ear ear plugs for your 22s? Did you bring? You brought the. We didn't bring the uh, Oh no. Well, I bought a couple. So. So, but but you didn't bring ear gear. Okay, I'm sorry. That's well. I'll try to get to sleep before I do. How's that sound? Okay. So anyway. So finally, our hope needs to be only in heaven, only in. Salvation granted to us by Christ Jesus. The last, of course, is love, and that's the greatest of all. Uh, endurance, energy, and exaltation of our love, the endurance of our love. Hebrews 12 3. What does it say there? Well, you know that one. For the joy set before me endured the cross, despising the same, and I sat down at the right hand of God. Why did he endure? for you why did he endure the cross for Jeremiah of course Jeremiah was the only one in the whole world there were no other humans it was only Jeremiah Jesus would have come into this world for you have you ever thought about that he loved just you the sad fact is, is that who would put him on the cross then if you were the only one it would be you The interesting thing is, if you really think about it, gentlemen, you did put him on the cross. You did. Your sin is what drove him to the cross so that you and I would not have to die and spend eternity away from the one who created us, who loves us, and who wants to live for eternity with us. Some people say, and you're going to hear this if you haven't already, Well, if God were a loving God, he would never cast anybody into hell. If that's the kind of God you have, I don't want that kind of God. And The kind of God is the God that would crush his son and be pleased to crush his son so that you could live. I don't know if I asked you, many years ago i don't know if i did or not but if there's a total dirt bag on death row that deserved to die because he did heinous nasty things to a lot of people and someone came to you and said hey hey you're a christian man out of love would you sacrifice your firstborn for that dirt bag because that would pay for his sins and he wouldn't have to go to the lake of fire would you sacrifice truman Why not? Well, you just don't love like God then. Well, you know what? You know what? The reality is, and you need to know this, and and Jake knows this, when you serve God and you put him first, your kids get sacrificed. You know how many nights Jacob went to bed without dad? Because I was working with people that ended up hating my guts I sacrificed that boy. But I would not put him on a cross to die for some dirt bag. But I would sacrifice my life and I would sacrifice my relationship with Jacob so that I could reach someone who was worthy of eternal damnation, eternal death. That's a sacrifice, isn't it? Now, I know you would never sacrifice Truman. Absolutely not. But as you lay your life down for Christ, as we lay our lives down for Christ, our sons see a man perseverant, a man dedicated to God, a man who's going to make it. And those sons then have an example for us, or for them, that they'll follow in our footsteps as we're following the footsteps of Jesus Christ, and the footsteps of Jesus Christ lead to heaven. And your footsteps in the footsteps of Jesus Christ will lead our sons and daughters to heaven. If you're not perseverant, they won't get there. Jesus died in love with you when you were still worthless, rotten, sinful, disgusting, unworthy. He did that because he loved you. And he thought about you every moment of his life because he didn't want to make a mistake. Because if he would have made a mistake, you would have been lost. I don't know about you, but the scriptures clearly teach in Psalms 139 that he knew every moment of my life. He knew the very moment of my conception, it says, and he knows my very last breath. And he died for every one of those moments and every one of those sins. That's us. Will we lay our lives down for him so that others might see a perseverant man and follow us to heaven? We'll do that only if we have love. Look at John chapter 3. And well, let's quote it. John three sixteen. What does it say? For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son so that who would ever believe in him Would not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, he gave his son. That would be like me loving people who are sinful in the world and sacrificing my son on their behalf. And in a way, we did that. But you know, my son is following in my footsteps. And I'm confident that all three of my sons, as they continue to grow and as they develop relationships and they get married, they're going to look back at this guy and they're going to go, I remember what dad did for mom. I remember what dad did for us. I remember what dad did for people when they didn't care about him. He just kept pushing forward. They'll remember that because they've seen a picture, the embodiment of the sacrifice of Christ. Men, that's who we need to be. And I'm not perfect yet. We just read that. But this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and striving for what lies ahead. Will you walk with me? as a perseverant man. I do have a fear that I don't have the faith of Christ as firmly developed in me as needs be. And I do not have the hope of Christ as firmly developed in me as it needs to be. And I don't have the love of Christ so firmly developed in me that it needs to be. Because when the shooting starts, what am I going to do? Now, it's already started. There's been a whole bunch of times where it's... Right, Jake? <laughs> You've seen it. <laughs> okay? Okay, So, those times were given to me, thankfully, to grow. And I look back and I realize that. I pray that you will do that as well. And with the times that will come in the future. So, what about 1 John 3.16? Does anybody know that one? We all know John 3.16. What about... 1 John 3.16 We know love by this. That he laid down his life for us. There it is. And we ought also to lay down our lives for each other. We know love by this. That he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for each other. I got your six, brother. I do. Hey. Okay. I love your story. I'm glad I've been a part of it. It's pretty cool. So it's important for us to know that we need to lay our lives down for each other and more in times to come. Let me, let me close this last uh, point before I bring the conclusion. The exaltation. 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter and chapter 4. Verse 12 and 13. And I quoted it earlier. eh? Shame on me. I stole from myself. (laughs) (laughs) Beloved, do not be surprised at the fire ordeal among you, which comes upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you, but to the degree that you share the suffering of Christ Keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory, you may rejoice with exaltation. And then it goes on to talk about, uh, and I think I I don't have to go there, but notice he's re- exalting in exaltation at what? At getting into heaven. Because we endured. We persevered. We saw suffering in a different light. It strengthens us so we can get to that last breath. Now, let's turn to the book of Revelation. Chapter 12 talks about the war, verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war. And they were not strong enough. And they were no longer. there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down. The serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth. And his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying, in heaven. Now listen to this, by the way, how many of you know the scripture teaches that if you've been immersed in the Christ for the right reason, that you were raised up with him and you were seated with him in the heavenly places. So right now, if you are in Christ, you're seated with him in the heavenly places. Your salvation is secure because you are in Christ, seated at the right hand of God. Even though you walk the earth, remember... I live by faith and not by sight. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in this body, I live by the faith of Christ. He's in glory. I'm in glory. He has all power. He's given me all power. We are able to live this life that we're called to, but we need to go back to the Scriptures to understand it. So now, what I'm about to read to you, I want you to process it in a little bit different way. Read what it says there in verse 10. The things that are said in heaven. Remember, Satan's been thrown down to the earth. He's already here. He's the God of this world. He's the God, the principality of the air. He is here. He has dominion. We need to know that he who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. Because we're not of this world anymore. Let's read it. Verse 10, then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accused of our brethren has been thrown down. He who curses them uh, before our God day and night. And they overcame him. We overcame him by the blood of the lamb and because the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even faced with death. For this reason we rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Who dwells in heaven? Who who dwells in heaven? We do. We're rejoicing that we have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the great gospel proclamation. Notice what it says there. For this reason rejoice, O heavens, and you, Christian, who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time well guess what brethren we're secure in heaven that's what the scripture says and if you're not sure about that let's do one-on-one bible study we had begun the moving on to maturity looking at what that means guess what (laughs) we're secure and if you don't understand that that hope isn't there that faith isn't Quite set yet. That love that's the manifestation of the mature man is not there yet. We need to come together, work together, study on our own, ask the questions, come alongside, say, I got struggles, build each other up, serve one another now because of this. So we know I am seated with him in the heavenly places. I'm going to make it. I'm a perseverant man. I'm walking by faith and not by sight. So when you hear the bad news, guess what? Yep. Devil's in charge. Oh, the beast that's coming out of the sea. It's world government. Yep. It's coming. But aren't you worried? Well, no. Because I'm seated in heaven. I've been given the power of Christ to overcome like he did. You know that he turned Rome on its ear. And you know, he turned the Jewish religion on his ear when he died. When did you die with Christ? When did you die with Christ? When you were crucified with Christ? When? When were you raised up with Christ? It's done. Jesus, when he came out of that water on the Jordan, Holy Spirit came down, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. When did the fight start? When did the fight start for Jesus? (laughs) Then. (laughs) Okay. So guess what? We're heaven bound. And we need to know that the devil is playing interference. And the way he's going to do that is bring confusion, doubt, fear, pain. So all that stuff. Is he going to win? Is he going to win? Did he win in Jesus' life? Where's Jesus right now? In heaven. Where's Jesus right now? In us. Where are we right now? In heaven. Brethren, we do not need to fear. God will never leave us or forsake us. David, David, The great king walked by faith. And he's still seen as the great king that listened to God and did what he said. And even though he struggled, he was a man after God's own heart. That's who we are to be. That's who we are. And that's who we'll be until the last day. And no matter what comes, If you're feeling a little shaky, grab one of us. I'm serious. If I'm feeling shaky, I'll call Jeremy. Jeremy, that's not weakness. We are of one body, the body of Christ. That's not weakness. That's strength. That's important because we all want to make it to heaven together. You don't want to give up what you already have. Amen? All right. Let's close in a word of prayer and we'll take a little break, get something to drink. And uh, we got some soda there, boys, if you want some soda. It's free, no charge. Okay. It's only if your dad lets you. It's only if your dad lets you. Okay. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the time and I'm excited to bring up uh, Jake in just a little bit. And we do pray to your Heavenly Father that you would help us to recognize and understand that the victory is won. And we need to step into that. We need to believe it and we need to embrace it for that is our hope. And because of that, we can love you deeply by loving others, Father. How critical that is. Help us develop a clear and full understanding of the faith of Christ and that we possess it, that we have a clear and full understanding of the hope that Jesus has given us and that we embrace it and understand it and live it. And finally, Father, that we'd understand the love of Jesus Christ and we would live it, knowing that we are seated with you in the heavenly places. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.